Welcome to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. The prior podcast you listened to was Alec Barrow talking about his journey as a gay Latter-day Saint. As you listen to that podcast, Alec is married, has five children, um, one granddaughter, and this podcast is um, all of his children talking about their gay dad. And we have, we're going to, so this is the most we've ever had on a podcast listeners. And we're going to do a good job of trying to help everybody understand who's speaking. So we have all five of Alec and, will someone say your mom's name right before I mispronounce it? Ben, will you do that? Yeah. Irene. Or Irene. <laughs> <laughs> Irene, it works. And Ben's mic, for some reason, we'll get to Ben in a second, isn't as good as the other mics. So we're going we're gonna to work on that. But let's just have, we have five kids. So we'll start with the oldest. Um, if you'll introduce yourself and if you're, you're several of you here with your spouse or somebody you're engaged to, and just introduce your spouse at the same time. So we'll start with you, Amelia. Amalia. Amalia. <laughs> Um, my name is Amalia, and I am married to TJ, and we're coming up on eight years of marriage this year. Glad to have you here. All right. Um, my name is Ben. I'm married to Mathia. We've been married for two and a, two and a half years. And tell us the name of your daughter. Oh, and yes. We have a daughter, Mallory. <laughs> she's not here right now, but she's six months. It's great. And she is the only grandchild in this family. So it's safe to say that your daughter is the favorite grandchild. <laughs> All right. Who's next? My name is Clark and uh, I am here with my fiance, Tegan. Uh, we will be married in May. Congratulations. You two look great together. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Then we have two more daughters. I'm Caroline. Um, I'm 21 years old. And I've been home from my mission for about a year. Where did you serve? I served in Canada, Calgary Mission. Did you? That's great. And Edmonton's not part of your mission? No, they have their separate mission just north of us. That is great. And Elizabeth, do you go by Elizabeth or Liz? I go by either. I'll probably be like, hi, Elizabeth here. Just because, yeah. But yeah, I'm 17. And you're in high school in Utah County? Yeah, I go to Timview. And anybody else serve a mission? You served in Canada. Anybody else serve a mission? TJ, where did you serve? Uh, I, sh I served in Charlotte, North Carolina. English speaking, I assume. Hi, uh, uh, Michaela here, also served in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't cross paths there, but... No. That's pretty cool. That's two in-laws. Two of the three in-laws have served in the same spot. This is Clark. I served in the New York Utica Mission. Uh, this is Tegan. I did not serve in North Carolina. But <laughs> You're breaking the trend here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I served in Bakersfield, California. That's great. And this is Ben. I served in Rome. And we're going to do an audible here. We're going to take Ben's mic off the net because it's not here. And we're just going to have Clark share that microphone on this side of the table with all four of you. And we're going to... Listeners, we're just kind of, this is kind of as we go. So we're not going to use that mic right here. And I'm going to unplug it. So I remember it's unplugged. So let's start with just, um, here's some questions. Um, your dad, Alec, came out to his, your mother when he was dating in the prior podcast and told 
your mother about his sexual orientation. He may not have used the word gay way back then, but he talked about his attraction towards men. And at some point, he felt it was appropriate to talk to all of you about that. And the question here is, how did you first respond? Um, and if you, and what would you do differently um, now, knowing what you know now about the best way to support someone? And the purpose of asking this question, listeners, is for those of you that are want to be prepared on how to respond when somebody comes out as LGBTQ, um, hopefully there's some insights here that will help us. Let's start with the oldest. Okay. Um, hi, this is Amalia. Um, I remember when he first told me that um, I kind of felt like things made a little bit more sense. I do remember saying that, and I wish I hadn't said that because he did say the last thing he wants to hear is, um, oh, I knew it all along kind of thing. So it felt like things um, did make a little more sense. Um, Like a puzzle piece was fitting into place. Um, Definitely, I felt like closer to him after he told us or told me and yeah <laughs> that's gr- that you're doing great what oh, i think you said we knew or i knew mm-hmm. and why was that not helpful for him um i think he has often felt like there is something about him that um indicates that he is in fact gay and i just don't think that was um, helpful for him a lot of the time growing up. And so I didn't want to kind of reinforce that, but it, it did feel like, um, yeah, just like things were kind of falling into place a little bit. Was there anything that occurred to have him come out to you since you were the first? Was there any, just what was about this moment? If you want to share why you decided to come out? (laughs) Um, I had, um, just a little bit of a hard time in high school. Um, and he mentioned to me, we talked about this just a couple of days ago. He mentioned um, that he didn't feel like we were connecting and that I kind of thought he was the perfect seminary teacher. He didn't understand what I was going through kind of thing. Um, and so he shared it as a way to kind of um, build a little bit um, more of a bond just so that, you know, so he could kind of illustrate that things hadn't been completely rosy for him throughout his life. And, um, he did say, and I do feel like things kind of, um, shifted after that and that we did grow a lot closer and yeah. That's great. Let's just keep going on here. I'd probably stay for a whole hour with you, but I got to <laughs> make sure we involve everybody. So the next oldest is Ben, you're 26, Ben. Um, I am. <laughs> talk about um, when your dad came out to you and just your thoughts on this? I don't have the best of memories, but this is one of those memories that was extremely and is extremely clear. Uh, we were driving through Nevada. We had just um, visited family in Las Vegas and it was dark and we were the only ones in the car. Um, my dad has done a really good job of giving each of us um, the attention we need. And it was one of those father-son um, weekend trips. And I don't know how the conversation got there, but he, he just said, hey, there's something I'd like to tell you. Um, as long as I've, you've probably heard this from the previous episode, but as long as I've known who I am, um, I've known that I, I'm gay. And um, this was a few weeks before I left on my mission. Um, and it felt like I had been blindsided. Um, it felt like I had been betrayed. I wasn't 
an ally back then, as the term you'd use now. Um, I, I wasn't very friendly to those who were openly gay in my high school. Um, I wasn't necessarily really aggressive, but I, I mean, me and my friends, we would, you know, tease and make fun. Um, we, I thought it was a choice. I thought it was a, a fad that people were using to get attention. And so when my dad, who I super love, um, is telling me these things, I just didn't respond too well. Um, part of the shame and guilt of, of making fun of gay people in the past kind of caught up to me, as well as just the feeling of he's been living a lie. Like, what is my life? How, how are you even married? Um, how are you a man? You know, just these, these pre-determined um, thoughts, the culture of the church, it just, it wasn't very, I didn't respond very well. Um, I was leaving to Italy in a, or to the MTC in a few weeks. And I remember not speaking with him for a, a good chunk of that time until I left. And even then on my mission, I just, it was so hard to, to communicate with him because I felt like he just hadn't been authentic in the past. And if you listen to his episode, there's reasons why he wasn't authentic. So what I would do differently, um, a million things. I would just listen and try and understand. Cause at the time I was like, how can you be married? What is going on? Um, and people have choices and people have agency and what he chose to do, it worked for him and my mom. And in the moment I should have just listened on how it worked instead of judging him. And so yeah, but it was awesome. And looking back on it, I feel similar to my sister Amalia's experience. When my dad was authentic with me and with us, it just gave me an opportunity to know him and better understand him and grow closer. And I could then be vulnerable with him because he's now been vulnerable with me. So, yep. Good. It's good, Ben. And I... You know, it's part of the reason I'm doing this is I'm trying to do better than I did in the past. So thanks being honest. How did you sort of reconcile? Because it sounds like before you left to Rome, this wasn't fully reconciled. It was kind of this awkward conversation you had that carried, you know, didn't, that kind of carried throughout your whole mission. And then I assume you came back and I know where you are now. You're in a great space. Just talk with our listeners about how this all sort of got resolved in a way that you're both at peace and there's this great relationship between you and your dad? Well, I would say that, um, that, that maybe two, two and a half hour long conversation in the car didn't cover all of my questions, all my concerns. It didn't explain hardly anything. Um, and so writing, he would write me weekly on my mission. He was very good at that. Um, we, I was able to open up and ask him questions that may maybe were private and uncomfortable, but I felt like I was entitled to because I was his son. Um, and so it's, I mean, your podcast is named Listen, Learn, and Love. Um, and just listening and learning really brought me peace because he's an amazing person. My mom is an amazing person and what they've done is incredible. And so just learning about all the years and work behind it helped a ton so so it sounds like there was a lot of communication during your mission yeah that this door opened in the car ride and then it stayed open while you're on your mission yeah. and there was a lot of communication so by the time you came back there was you were in a much better mm -hmm. place to talk about this because you had been talking yeah. about it exactly and even now that he's him and my mom are choosing to be open and helpful to others about it i'm still we're still learning 
I won't speak for my siblings. I'm still learning so many things that I didn't know about him. Some of his um, his worries, that his, some of his fears, some of his experiences. And so I think the most important part is that we've established a good relationship and we can build on it by just learning about each other and, and listening to each other. So. Thanks, Ben. Clark, let's get, Clark is 23 listeners. He's engaged to Tegan. And so Clark, let's get some of your thoughts. So um, this is Clark and uh, he told me shortly after I had graduated high school, we were about to go on a senior trip to Texas and he sat me down and just kind of told me he was, he's always had these, the same sex attraction and that he was gay. And it, for me, it was, I'm kind of in the same boat as Amalia. I kind of just feel like I just took it. I was like, okay, I kind of, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I also wish I hadn't said that. (laughs) Um, And just based off of things he had told me in the past and like um, leading up to that, I just said, oh, that makes sense. And we didn't talk about it much. It was just kind of, he said this and then we just moved on. And that for me was, I was good that I feel like I was, I'm proud that I was able to just accept it and move on. I do wish I could have been a little, again, I wish I hadn't said that makes sense and been a little bit more supportive rather than just saying, okay, let's, let's go. Like, (laughs) that's good to know, I guess. (laughs) I just didn't really feel the need to know that. Like it wasn't, not that I wasn't honored to know that. I just was one of those things that I just, Cool. Good talk. <laughs> talk about your relation with your ne- your dad now. Um, I feel we are. I I am much more willing to t- talk now rather than just accept and move on. Like, but at the same time, it's I, we are much closer since then. Like, I've been able to understand him better and know know the stories that he told me about his life like understand them better and understand the way he parented me better if that makes any sense like just because of the this tidbit of knowledge tidbit that he had told me that it just did kind of make sense not so much that I always knew but like made everything fall into place. It was the keystone to my understanding of him as a parent. That's good. Thank you, Clark. Caroline, will you share some of your thoughts? Yes. Um, I don't know if I have a perfect memory of this. It seems like my siblings can recall the precise moment. I can. I remember where we were sitting. Um, I think I was early high school because Clark found out after he was graduated. So I was a sophomore when he graduated. So it's probably after my sophomore year around then. Um, and I remember, I think I remember asking if TJ knew because my sister was married. So I asked if TJ knew and my dad said, yes. And I said, okay. <laughs> and 
then it really, it really was just a secret thing. It was a private thing. It wasn't, it's just really cool what we're able to do now. It's been really cool to see how my dad has grown. Um, because then again, I was in high school. So I had my close group of friends. I was like, oh, we don't talk about this. Like, I don't tell people about this. This isn't, which makes sense because it's my dad's story to tell. It definitely wasn't my story to tell all my high school friends. Um, I'm happy to say they're still all my best friends. So they're going to listen to this and find out. <laughs> they still don't know. That's great, Carolyn. <laughs> but just to to know that it was his story and to now see how it's, he, he's telling his story. And I think that's been really cool. I do remember thinking, when I was probably like 11 or 12, I don't know, a lot of the I'm a Mormon videos were coming out. And there were a lot, a couple of them that was, I'm a father, I'm a so-and-so, I'm a so-and-so, and I'm gay, and I'm a Mormon. I was like, wow, that'd be so cool to have a dad who was gay. Because then you know that like he only loves your mom because he's not looking at any other women. Like, didn't even cross my mind that he'd be looking at other men. Like, <laughs> And so I told my dad this. <laughs> And now being 21 and knowing and learning a lot more than what I knew then, um, it has its challenges. And I know that my parents have worked and like Ben said, they've done what works for them. Um, but it wasn't as simple and easy as my 10 year old self made it out to be. <laughs> so great segment, Caroline. You're very <laughs> articulate. That was great. Thank you. Elizabeth. Yes. Hi, this is Elizabeth. <laughs> um, I don't remember much about it. I was a lot younger. I think I was like 11 or 12 when I found out. So like compared to my siblings all being graduated in high school. So I feel like kind of lucky about that though, because I just got to spend more time like learning about it rather than it being like a sudden thing. I was just like, oh, cool. What's that? And I found out like gradually, you know, like what it meant to my dad and my family. So like, yeah, I feel kind of lucky for that. And I don't remember exactly what I said, but my dad says I gave him a hug and I'm like, that sounds right. <laughs> I probably was like, uh, okay, <laughs> like, cool. Yeah. One of the things your dad talks about in his podcast is just um, the Adam and Eve story and the shame about hiding and about how Satan resides in our shame and the shame your dad's felt that largely in our culture we're our church culture and our society culture, people don't talk about being LGBTQ and they keep this private. And you've done a great job of sort of letting your dad share his story, but I think you've recognized how helpful it is for him to share his story. And recently, as he talked in his podcast, his stake asked him that you've been in for 20 years. And he, I just would sense your parents are just loved in your stake to share his story as a gay Latter-day Saint and how that was just the opposite of the Garden of Eden. It was, you know, taking away the shame and the hiding and being able to share this part about him as a way to bring us together. Just talk about, um, that kind of leads into a question. Um, some family members are embarrassed that their brother, their sister, their dad, somebody in their family is gay. Um, and we kind of, you know, that can be kind of a hard thing. Were any of you embarrassed that your dad was gay? And are any of you embarrassed now your dad's gay? And or what advice do you have for somebody who is embarrassed about a family member that's gay? Let's put somebody on the spot. I'm going to put Ben on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, I don't know if I'm, I was never embarrassed, first of all. I mentioned feeling 
guilt and shame for how I have treated um, gay people in the past. Definitely not embarrassed at the time. And when I started telling my friends, because my dad was like, you can tell your close friends, we need to keep it kind of a secret because of his employment and what the, just the unanswered questions of how, how that would all pan out. Um, but I did remember, I, I, I do feel vulnerable, less embarrassed because my dad's a great person for every, anyone who knows him and whoever knows my mom, they, they know that they're amazing um, people. But definitely feel vulnerable, um, especially being on this podcast and especially with recent events and my dad speaking. But so far, I haven't had any negative experience. And I think that's because people who my dad is telling and communicating with are people who know him. I think that's the key. Great answer. Other, any other family members or in-laws want to speak? Um, this is Caroline. Yes. I just, as we've heard more about his story, as we've heard more about him growing up and as we've grown up and so we've been able to be let in and clued in on more experiences and realize how hard high school must have been for him, um, things like that. I've realized that it's always been a hard thing for him about himself too, that he's wrestled with it with knowing that that's who he is, um, but wanting to change that and wanting to be different than that. And so I think that's one thing to recognize that when we do have loved ones, when we have friends, when we have family members that choose to share this part of themselves with us, um, they, they are proud of it. They're learning how to be proud of it, I think. I don't think they let us in as a place of full ownership of it yet. I don't know if they've always come to terms with it themselves yet. And so I think it would be really harsh to hear that and then to start judging or to start criticizing. But I think when we recognize that, like Ben said, vulnerability, that my dad shared it with us out of a place of vulnerability, that it's still something he thinks about, he still works with, um, he's still working on. Um, just knowing that aspect and to take that into consideration before responding to realize that they might be having a hard time with it too. Others want to comment in. And this is Amalia. Um, I just wanted to add that I don't think there, well, first of all, I don't think there is anything to be embarrassed about, but also that my dad and other people have made the comments that there is no shame other than what we kind of bring to it. Um, and so in my head, it's kind of, it's who he's always been, even if we didn't know it for a while. Um, and he has made us the people that we are today. And, you know, just that there's nothing really to be embarrassed about that. We're just, we're just proud to be his kids. So Clark. Yeah. So there, I currently feel like the vulnerability Ben was talking about, like with um, the this coming out more into the open as I'm getting married in a month, I there have been a little bit of worries or like almost embarrassments about what happens when my soon to be in-laws find out, like, are they yeah, going to be weird honest. about it? Are they not going to be? supportive and there has been that fright that, that there's been a, and when I told Tegan about it I was frightened and not again not scared and not um, embarrassed but there's a bit of worry or vulnerability about it and again as all of my 
siblings have said, like, there is nothing to be embarrassed about it. And there will be some people that are, aren't the great, aren't the most kind about it. And the best thing we can do is help them listen and learn as this podcast is called and how to love. It's honest, Clark. Good response. Anybody else want to share anything? In-laws or anybody else? All right. We got Ben's wife, Michaela, if I'm saying it right. This is Michaela here. Um, Well, I grew up in a really small town, very little diversity. Um, So I was raised a certain way and my parents are great. My siblings are great, but we are this big family in in a small town. So Um, anyways, we, we grew up not quite understanding other people's perspective, no matter where they came from, right? We were just us being us. But um, joining this family, I guess Ben told me when we were best friends three years before we even got married. Um, and it didn't seem like a big deal. I'm, and that that was a changing point for me because I'm like, man, if if Alec is gay and married to a woman, like there's no way he chose that. Like there's no way he is chose, chose being gay. Yes, chose being gay. Sorry. I mean, there's <laughs> he definitely chose to be married. <laughs> but there is no way that he would go through all those struggles and you know all the hurtful things and you know the trauma that comes with that. Um, and so that's when my eyes started to be open. But um, yes, along the embarrassment. I don't, I wouldn't call it embarrassment, but I would call it being protective of, mm-hmm. of Love him. That. Love that. Right. And so I didn't think it was my place to tell my family, but I guess when some conversations would come up, I felt very protective. I'm like, oh, if only they knew, <laughs> you know, and, and the, the family members that I've, I've shared this with have been very open and loving towards, um, Alec and his, his lifestyle. And cause they know who he is. They've met him and know that. So I would, I wouldn't say embarrassment is the right word. And maybe some people are feeling embarrassment, but that protectiveness that I, I don't know how to explain it, but, um, you just, you just want to protect them because you know, they're good people, you know, um, that they've been through a lot and little comments aren't helping. It's a good segment and looks like Elizabeth. And then Sorry, we're going to get have... Elizabeth and we're going to get TJ on here too. Yeah, this is Elizabeth. And then um, Tegan. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just think, so I'm still in high school and my dad is a seminary teacher just right above my high school. So this is going to be kind of a, like, I don't know, it's going to really affect me. I feel like, I don't know, because like all of my friends, he's their favorite seminary teacher. And I don't know if it's going to like change. I don't think it will. I think I surround myself with people who are accepting and loving, but like, I'm not embarrassed. I just, oh, sorry, like this, not good. Okay. Um, I wouldn't say embarrassed. Like, like Michaela said, I'm just protective and I'm like, I just don't know how people at school are going to react. And I'm kind of excited to see because I think it'll benefit a lot of people. So. What do you hope that the students at your high school or any high school would do if they learn their seminary teacher, female or male, is gay? Um, I hope that they wouldn't be, I don't know, I hope that they'd like, if they have questions or anything, they'd go 
to them in a private setting rather than like raising their hand. I don't know. But um, I just, I think that they come to seminary to learn about the gospel. And I think it's important to learn about the church as well as its LGBT members. So I think that if they go to seminary and they like, they ask my dad about what it's like to be him. I don't know. What would you say? You're doing good. And I'm asking you hard <laughs> Sorry, questions. <I'm> <laughs> what would you do? And anybody, I'm going to ask this to Elizabeth, if anybody wants to chime in, what would you do to a parent who hears your dad is gay and teaching their high school age student who now thinks maybe I should pull my kid out of your dad's class because he's gay? Yeah, um, I'm for sure. I totally understand because they're, they don't have like the experiences that we have, which is valid because, but I don't know. I just think maybe, I don't know, just like give it a chance, you know, because there's always a better place for learning in an open and safe environment. And I think my dad creates that. And I think a lot of, <laughs> I think a lot of people who are more, I don't know, people can be more open when they've been through more stuff, I feel like. Great so. answer. Um, and if anybody else, go ahead. This is Michaela. I just have a quick thought on that. Um, who wouldn't want to hear the point of view of someone striving to live the gospel mm -hmm. than somebody who is gay in a mixed orientation marriage? Um, who is teaching seminary? Who's teaching doctrine from a different point of view than what you grew up with? Right. It's important for us to accept and love all people. And why, why wouldn't you want to hear their story and how they've learned of Christ's love and how they have learned their place in the gospel by not being traditional? I love that. And I love your point that he teaches the doctrine and that him gay doesn't mean he teaches different doctrine, but to your point, his ability to teach that sort of, um, because he knows that road in an authentic way um, can help other people feel like they're loved and belong. And so I, as a parent, I talked about this in the first podcast. If my high school age son, who's now out of high school, came home and told me his, his seminary teacher is gay five years ago, I might have gone, hmm, but now I'd go, that is great. Because he's going to have gay people, LGBTQ people the whole rest of his life. He may be the parent of an LGBTQ child. His missionary companion may come out to him. He may be teaching investigators their LGBTQ. And if that high school student has, an, has, has that kind of experience, and it's not like your dad's going to be talking talk every day about being gay. He's going to, I would guess that rarely comes up um, in his lessons, but it may come up in an appropriate situation. He just shares like all seminary teachers do a little bit about their life. I just think it helps us to come together as the body of Christ and as a real plus so I, I hope and pray there's no parents or students that react negatively and that we're at a point in our church where we recognize um, the good your dad brings to help us come unto Christ. Other thoughts, TJ? I know we need to go to you and then Tegan. And I, we may have skipped someone in there. Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I second a lot of what Michaela has said. It's I've felt ever since I've joined this family just a very overprotecting nature of them. And when Amalia told me about her dad, it was just exactly that. It's like Alex, one of the most amazing men that I know. And so it was just like this, I'm going to make sure that they're safe and no one, you know, says anything, that kind of stuff, just a very overprotective 
kind of vibe is what I had for a long time, even though that's not necessarily what they needed or anything like that. That's just what I kind of had brought out. And then also, again, to second what Michaela said, to have kind of just a diverse life, to, ha- to know different kinds of people, different, you know, walks life and all that, to have that in just not only people you know, but teachers, seminary teachers is such an asset. And I think that's what Alec is. He's an asset to so many people to, to be able to give that to your kids, loved ones, just anyone that he talks to. It's just to have that in your repertoire of just, I, I know a little bit about this and that way, you know, as you said, if somebody comes to you, you have that kind of in the bank ready would be just unbelievably amazing. Great job, TJ. Tegan. Um, yeah, just a lot of similar things that have been said. I grew up in a small town as well, but then I moved to Illinois, which um, has a different culture. And so I was exposed. I feel I was kind of prepared by God to experience a lot of things with the LGBTQ community um, while I was growing up in Illinois. And I've always admired my my friends who have come out to me or even Sunday school teachers who um, are part of the community. And I've always admired and tried to acknowledge and learn more about how they develop their relationship in the gospel and with people who are and aren't a part of the church. And so, yeah, when Clark told me, then I, I was really happy, I guess. I knew that their family was super close and such a great example for a family unit. And so to know that his dad was, was gay, then it gave me kind of a, a good feeling. And to know that you don't have to have a kind of, different look of family but it can be a standard what people strive for and it it made me proud of of alec and their family and what they've they've done for for everyone not just themselves even and how he's raised his children to be the amazing lights on on this earth and so i'm i'm excited to share that more openly and um, with my extended family and friends as, as this comes about, I'm very excited for the future. Thank you, Tegan. Other thoughts anybody wants to share? Let's talk. We've, we've introduced the term in the podcast, mixed orientation marriage listeners. And just to define that, if that's new to you, it's where one or both in the marriage is not straight. And in this case, your mom is straight and your dad is gay. So we would call that a mixed orientation marriage versus a typical straight marriage. We've talked about your mom. We've talked about your dad. In my book, Listen, Learn, and Love, Embracing LGBTQ Latter-day Saints, I talked to listeners just about mixed orientation marriages. And 
I kind of just was aware of the ones that failed, that blew up, that became kind of in the media. Um, and so I kind of thought all those marriages failed, to be honest. And it wasn't until I started to do podcasts with couples in mixed orientation marriages um, where both spouses were on the podcast that I just, I got a rebuke of the spirit. And um, the church doesn't invite people to follow that path, but if people receive personal revelation that that's their path, and your dad did something very courageous in the 80s when he got married. He actually talked to your mom about this, which most couples that I'm in that age group didn't talk about it. And if they talked about it, it came later. Um, and then in the book, I sort of made the point, let's, you know, that um, there's a lot of these marriages are succeeding and we shouldn't create a narrative in society that to be authentic, quote unquote, you shouldn't be in a mixed orientation marriage. I think your parents are being authentic in a mixed orientation marriage. And then I made the point in the book that we shouldn't make one to be more of the hero than the other. Cause some would say, well, the gay spouse is really the hero because they're gay. And then some would say the straight spouse is really the hero. And my point is let's don't make anybody the hero. Cause I don't think I have enough of an insight into anybody else's marriage to sort of say, who's more of a hero than the other. And I know as we've been talking that you love your mom and your dad, and they've both been walking a complicated road. And I think maybe some of your questions were, how does this work for mom? Or, or even been protective of your wonderful mom saying, well, gosh, this seems really, does anybody? And so I guess my question is, what can we do to support couples in mixed orientation marriages? You're kind of coming from this from the standpoint of kids. What can we do to just help those couples be, that want to stay in that marriage? What can we do to help them be successful? Thoughts on that? Go ahead, Clark. So for the longest time, I didn't even think about my mom's perspective. I always thought, wow, my dad is gay in a straight marriage. He is an incredible man. This is awesome. And it, this, these are true. Um, but it was until about six months ago that um, I realized that all of this, that they go through is can be incredibly hard and painful on my mother. The pain that he goes through when people are rude or sh shaming to him is hard on her. And like, just that to, uh, as you said, not to make a hero out of either one that they, they are a team and they chose this together. And, um, to be supporting of both members of that team. Like um, if you, you, a team needs more than one person to succeed. And oftentimes I have, even since then, I have almost forgotten a little bit that it's, that this is a journey for my mother as well, that, um, that she is, she is incredible. She's also incredible. I mean, I've always known my mother was incredible, but that she's the, like, especially these past six months, my respect and has grown for her as I've realized just what it means to be in a mixed orientation marriage. And that she also, that she is not, that my dad's not the only one who has to struggle or through um but that my mom also is on this journey it's great clark other 
Elizabeth. This is Caroline. No, Caroline. <laughs> That's okay. Didn't sound right. <laughs> um, my mom is one of the most supportive um, and selfless people I've ever met. And she won't agree maybe with me when I say that. She'll start to point out her flaws. Um, but it's to the point that she, I, I know that there's nothing she wouldn't do for each of us as her kids. And I know that there's nothing she wouldn't do for my dad. Um, and sometimes that's allowing him space to figure things out. And then he brings them back to her. And sometimes that's working through things together. But I know that I've seen from my parents' marriage, and I'm not married, I'm not in a relationship, so I really don't know. But I've seen from my parents that it takes work, regardless of sexual orientations, regardless of all the other things that you're going to come across um, as a couple. My parents' marriage takes work, and I think that takes equal work from both of them. My dad wakes up every day, and he chooses to be with my mom. And my mom makes the same decision. She wakes up every day and she chooses to be with my dad. And I think that's important. I think we, as, our, as their kids, we have our place, but we also need to recognize that their marriage is theirs, that they have things between them that we never have to be involved in, we never will be involved in. But they wake up every day, both of them, and they choose each other and they choose us. And I think that's, that says all you need to know about them. You're very wise, Caroline. Elizabeth. Yeah, this is Elizabeth. Um, sorry. Um, I just think, I was thinking about like, there are going to be couples that, I mean, this doesn't work for everyone. My parents' path was, is theirs, as we said. And like, it is different for everyone. But I think they, they're just like really good at communicating. And I feel like even from the beginning, my dad told my mom, he was like, I'm gay before they even got uh, engaged, I think. And it's just, I think that the communication and the choosing and the, they put in the work, yeah. And it's a lot to do with how they talk to each other and how they understand themselves and each other. And then also, I don't know. Yeah. Just mainly just that. I don't know. (laughs) It's great, Elizabeth. Sorry. I just, this is Amalia. I just wanted to add that it is kind of like they are like best friends and life partners in the truest sense of the words. And yeah, so we really admire that about them and that they, yeah, like, like Caroline said, they do choose each other every day and yeah, just wanted to reiterate that. Can can I chime in? It's been, I feel like I I have to, since everyone else has said something. So, um, but a way that I've, I've been supportive and I think my siblings and, our spouses have been supportive is just loving them for who they are um, and loving them for the choices they make. But also my dad and my mom talk about having not imposing expectations. One of the hardest questions my dad has ever asked me is, well, what if, what if I did leave your mom? What if your mom did leave me? Would you think the same about us? And in the time, this was back before my mission. I was like, "Uh, no, (laughs) you wouldn't be amazing if you left each other. Um, That's giving up. But it's not, that's not true. They're equally amazing regardless of, of what their decisions are on their level. And just because this has worked for them doesn't mean it will work for others. But a way that we're supportive is just loving them for who they are, learning about them and spending time with them. So if that, yeah, makes sense. 
That's great. Uh, talk about, these are really good answers. And I sort of think, you know, we're recording this on General Conference Sunday, Easter Sunday between sessions. And I think sometimes I hear General Conference talks and I love General Conference and and it's sort of like, be like the Savior, love one another, be kinder. And I agree with all that, but then you sort of get into this space and it's sort of kind of where the rubber meets the road on a lot of the principles we teach and Christ teach and our church stands for is sort of like, this is the application of these principles is real life situations like this or all the other things we face in the world. And going back to the principles that we learn in general conference that are from the Book of Mormon and the Bible and Christ taught. So that's one of the things I love about your family story. Are there just thoughts that any, without me asking a question, are there just anything anybody just wants to share at this point? We're going to go Caroline and then Ben. (laughs) Thanks. Okay. Um, My dad, as he talks about his story, his experiences, his love for Jesus Christ um, and knowing who he is, I think that there are sometimes we feel like we have to trying to figure out how to word this. I guess really what it comes down to is Jesus Christ, when he atoned for each of us, um, when he was resurrected, him being who he is, he gets to be the perfect and the most compassionate judge. And so I think when sometimes things get hard for me between um, so much as kind of like policies or decisions that are made, Um, to recognize that those can be hurtful, but to also recognize that it really doesn't affect me, that I get to love my dad. I get to love that he's gay. I get to, I just get to love him. And it's not my place to decide what he does. It's not my place to judge what he does. And the same goes for my LGBTQ plus friends, that when they decide that they want to live a certain way, I, as we've all talked about, my dad is amazing. My mom is amazing. And so the way that the decisions that they make to choose on, to act on who they are, that's not our place to judge and we just get to love them. And so I think that's something that we can be a lot better about as members of the church is to just keep loving. And they're, they're not a different person than they were before we knew this about them. Um, we just get to keep loving and Christ is going to take care of the rest of it. Okay. So this is, um, this is Ben, this, was the only thing that I prepared, like one of the only things that I previously in wanted. your whole life, or just yeah, for no, <laughs> for this podcast. I mean, yeah, I was. I've been pretty nervous. A lot of us have been pretty nervous, and like, I've got to come prepared. I have to have something to say, and then I just kind of went with it, and I was like, no, I won't share it. But this morning, as we were eating breakfast before we drove up here, my wonderful almost sister-in-law Tegan. I don't even remember how this came up, but she mentioned, oh yeah, like the song, I'll Walk With You. And that was the song that I wanted the listeners and, and us to, to remember the words of the primary hymn, I'll Walk With You, became, and I don't remember, I'll admit, too many primary hymns. But this one is more than a hymn. This is straight doctrine and scripture. Um, one of the, the first few lines go, if you don't walk as most people do, some people walk away from you, but I won't, I won't. If you don't talk as most people do, some people talk and laugh at you, but I won't, I won't. I'll walk with you. I'll talk with you. That's how I'll show my love for you. And I think Tegan will agree and I, other people will agree that 
that's what this is all about. This isn't a, this isn't, wow, you know, my dad's gay. Like this is a huge thing. It all all has to do with listening and learning about people. Um, And I, yeah, that, that him has been my go-to for all kinds of people that I meet um, that I disagree with or I agree with. It just, it brings it all back to, to Jesus. So that's great. Elizabeth. Um, so we've been talking a lot about like empathy and everything. And I just think sometimes it's hard to like put it into practice. And I feel like as we're talking about it, we seem like this whole perfect group that we're so good at it. And I feel, I honestly feel like we're really pretty good at preaching empathy and practicing it as well. And I think that has a lot to do with how like my dad has been treating, treated in the past and how I feel like we all feel what each other feel, what like, I don't know, we feel a lot as a family. But I also think that just like understanding, I don't know, what what our brothers and sisters go through, not in not as a family, but in the church, our brothers and sisters, it's just, I think that's really how this church benefits and how it grows is by understanding each other. And I honestly think that that's like the main thing about this church. And that's why I love it so much. So. I love that too, Elizabeth, and I love uh, Elder Ballard in conference that we've just heard talked a lot about belonging, and he made the point that more than half of the mar- half of the adults in the church aren't married, and they need to feel a sense of belonging. And I think as we kind of go in the third century of the Restoration, Patrick Mason talks about this. I think we that's one of the ways that we gather Israel is our own members that need a better feeling of belonging like your dad and like unmarried straight people or unmarried gay people and just everybody is we're part of the same human family. Uh, talk about, um, and you said something, I think Caroline, if I wrote it down right, I get to love that he is gay. Mm-hmm. What a cool thing for an LGBTQ parent to hear from their child. And I guess my question is, why are you glad your dad's gay? And why has that helped him teach you the gospel of Jesus Christ? Does anybody want to answer that? Caroline, you can go for that or anybody. Yeah, I do. Um, My dad is so Christ-like in so many ways. And I know that a lot of it, I know that a lot of the characteristics and the traits that he's developed um, has stemmed from the pain that he's felt uh, because others haven't been accepting of him or because of the need that he's felt to hide who he is. And I think that pain, that the reality of pain has drawn him closer to his savior. And then that has benefited us. I mean, it makes me so sad to think about when I sit and think about what my dad has gone through. And (laughs) here I am, I'm crying. It's, I mean, it's awful. It's awful what people have to go through because of who they are. Um, but it's in that pain. And this goes for everyone. It's in our painful moments that we get to draw closer to the Savior, that we get to reach out and grasp the hand that he is extending. And so in his painful moments, my dad has really learned to rely on the Savior. So as my mom, and they've raised us to, to be that way, that we love each other no matter what, and we love our Savior no matter what. And I think it's because it's because of who he is, right? My dad, my dad is gay. That's who he is. He's so much more than that, but that's a big part of who he is. And I don't get to choose the parts that I love about my dad. I don't 
I just get to love my dad and I, I'll take that with it. I'll take all the lessons that he's learned from it. I'll take the lessons that he's taught me with it. Um, that's just one thing that makes him so incredible. Um, this is Amalia. Um, and I did just want to say that one of the things that my dad has said um, a few times um, when this all started was that God does know that he is gay and that God's been okay with it for a long time. Um, and that a lot of the time it is just kind of people who have a problem with it, but that God has always known. Um, and I guess this is kind of a two-parter, but um, yeah, so I just wanted to make that comment. But also one of the things that my dad has taught us is um, to be very intentional in reaching out to people who might not be included um, for whatever reason. And I think that has come directly from the fact that he is gay and has had quite a few hard times because of it. Um, and so, yeah, he's just taught us to be very intentional in making sure that everyone feels loved and everyone knows that they deserve love. And yeah. That's great. Let's go, Elizabeth, since the microphone's right by you, and then Clark. Okay, I'll just be quick. Um, like she said, how we learn so much from him being gay, like how we're intentional and how we reach out to people. Um, I think that goes back to him being, I don't know, like how we talked about like parents might want to pull their kids from his class because of it. But I just think him being gay and also being a therapist and a seminary teacher, it makes his work so much greater and I feel more powerful because he can connect with students who felt are feeling this the pain that he felt when he was in high school. And he's just so good at connecting with people. And I think it stems from him being different and being gay. Yeah. You know, I hope the seminary gets a bunch of calls of parents requesting their kids be transferred. Honestly, <laughs> me too. We're all going so for that. Because of all the things you're talking about and what what I, as a parent, our kids are out of high school are exactly the things that your father is teaching. And I want my kids to feel safe, a feeling of belonging, a feeling they can talk to their seminary teacher. I know when I started to talk about LGBTQ as a YSA bishop, I actually didn't have any more come out to me. But some of the straight, straight YSAs just said, okay, I can talk to this guy. I just need someone safe for me to talk to. Um, about what's going on in my life and the fact that he can just show kindness to all of Heavenly Father's children signals to me he's a safe person for me. It's a, it's a basic but a powerful principle of ministering. Other thoughts? Clark, I think you're next. So just one of the biggest Christ-like principles that my father has taught me with him being gay and just him being who he is, is that of forgiveness. Um, there have been people who have wronged him but he he knows people grow and there have been times when i hold grudges about how people treat him longer than he does um that happens quite often actually <laughs> you got <laughs> and, your dad's back and it just is incredible to me that how he is one of the most forgiving and loving people i know and just how he's able to forgive people and just let them learn and accept that they have learned and accept that they are trying. And that has always been an incredible strength he has had. 
other thoughts on any other subject that comes to people's mind? Ben? Um, along with Christ-like attributes, we, I mean, obviously, my dad gets mad and he says mean things about people, like anyone, you know. I, I think I do that too. Yeah, like, <laughs> I've, I mean, we're painting a picture that he, I mean, he's wonderful, but he is, you know, he's still human and my mom is still human. But together and individually, my mom and dad teach Christ-like attributes in a way that is just kind of unique and different. They know what it's like to be marginalized. They know what it's like. I mean, my mom is a convert and she's Italian and my dad's gay and, you know, and they belong to minority groups that I don't, I can never even imagine, you know, but they, they teach, they've taught me, I should say, I should stop speaking for people. They've taught me personally um, to be inclusive and to be understanding and to be patient. Um, yeah, just because they know what it's like to be on the outs and they have, they're really good at making people feel included and understood. I think, yeah. Thank you. Ben, TJ. Uh, just to your comment about people requesting to transfer into his class. Uh, in high school, he was my seminary teacher, and I actually did specially request to have him a second time, which I luckily got. But to, that's cool. Yeah, no, he's awesome. He's yeah, no, no idea. And I mean, he's just he's an amazing teacher, and to be able to have everything that he knows now and is able to talk about freely now, I I think that absolutely, my fingers crossed, hope that, and I think that should happen that people should be kind of scratching and clawing to get into that classroom because he's going to be amazing. He's going to be so embarrassed to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> Too <Good>. bad, Bobo. <laughs> Other thoughts just that come into people's minds they'd like to share. And as you're queuing up, Clark, I'm just going to read a, com uh, a quote I read a lot. The wounded healer, which is what we all are, but we're talking about your dad right now as the wounded healer. Henry Noren, a Catholic priest, says a minister service, that's your father, and really all of us will not be perceived as authentic unless it comes from a heart wounded by the suffering about which he speaks. The great illusion of leadership is to think others can be led out of a desert by someone who's never been there. So Ben, you kind of talked about, and all of you have talked about the wounding that your father's felt, and you're all very aware of that to some extent, maybe not fully and you have his back and you don't like that, but you also recognize what he's able to do for other people because of the difficult world he's walked. And this is a desert that, um, that he just, and then he can help people in sister deserts. So it's not just helping LGBTQ students. It's just, it's ability to help everybody, including his own children, um, just to be able to, lead them out of difficult spots. And I think it's one of a great principle of just mortality is we go through difficult things and we just have harder roads to walk, but that does bring us blessings and the ability to reach people and help people that perhaps no one else can reach. You're up, Clark. Um, just one thing I wanted to add, just uh, something that I've tried to live by since um, since my dad has kind of let us in, um, and that is just uh, that of 
when people do come to you with whether it is that they are LGBTQ plus or something else, it's just anytime someone has comes to you in a state of vulnerability is just to love them the way you did yesterday. I just makes no sense to me that someone being vulnerable would change that just to love them the same way than that you love all of them as Caroline has said that you love everything like you love that they're gay you just don't know it yet you so just don't let the the things that people have come to you about change that love for you for them anybody else with additional thoughts um, let me ask a question that came to mind. Um, there's one child represented around this table. Um, I would assume in 20 years, I'm meeting your child, your grandchild. There's one grandchild. <laughs> All the rest of you are adults. But in 20 years, there's this family's going to have t- more than one grandchild. Um, I don't want to put any number in there to create any pressure. <laughs> But I guess I'd like one of you to speak to your future, to um, let's just say one of you is an LGBTQ child. Um, Would one of you want to speak right now to your future child who comes out as LGBTQ? I mean, a scene that comes to mind from pop culture is that from Harry Potter, the the end of Harry Potter, um, Harry says to his son, you were named after three of the, two of the strongest men I know. And I, for me that I kind of just want to do the same way. Like you're following in some great footsteps. Like there is, there are people who have come before you who have gone through the same pain and there will be people who follow after you that go through the same pain and those let those people be a support and let the allies who may not fully understand your pain, let them be a support. And this is not a journey that you have to go through alone. That's and, great, Clark. And to add, this has been, um, in 20 years, I hope they're not in the same boat as they are in now. Um, if there's still the stigma and the exclusion and the misunderstanding, then we have failed them. It should be very, very different. And I hope it's a little bit, I don't want to use the word normal, but when, when my dad came out to a lot of us, it was just, okay. And, and I hope it's, it's similar to that. It's not even a, Oh, I need to come out. It's a, this is who I am kind of thing. I love that. Yeah. Elizabeth. I, I, that's basically what I was going to say is that I hope things are different for them than they were for my dad. But um, also just like, I'm just going to be like, go talk to your grandfather because like as, as myself, I don't know what I would say to them to let them know that I understand because I don't understand a lot of what they go through. But I just think, hopefully my dad will still be around. I think about that a lot. But <laughs> um, um, no, I just hope that they'll, know that they have like a whole a whole army of family that's behind them and that loves them and hope and I know that they'll have like a church family that loves them too so that's great um just a couple a couple thoughts come to mind listeners as we're getting close to the end you've talked about loving people um kind of what regard just loving people and we've done a podcast with it's episode 260 with a young man who's gay and active in the church, active in his ward, pretty committed to 
um, stay celibate. And this morning on Instagram and Facebook, I saw his same-sex marriage. And I just thought, I'm not going to make him the hero one day and the villain the next day. Um, I think you're all teaching the same thing. Correct me if I'm misspeaking here. And I recognize he's he's choosing a path that's not consistent with the doctrine of our church. He would be the first one to admit that. But I don't want to make him, he's just the same person. I'm going to leave all that judging to Heavenly Father. I'm going to, and I'm just, I liked his Facebook post. I liked his Instagram post. I sent him a message of congratulations. And I just thought for me, that's what I should do as a disciple of the Christ to support him in his biggest life decisions and leave any judging to Heavenly Father and our Savior in their perfect understanding and and not make him the hero one day and and the villain the next day. Any thoughts on any of that? It's episode 260, listeners, if I didn't mention that, um, if you want to listen to that story. Yeah, this is Michaela here. Um, so I have had that question going back earlier of like, what if my child is gay? How will I respond? And I painted a picture in my head. I'm like, hopefully I'll be able to keep it together and that's blah, honest. Blah, blah. <laughs> right. You know, um, and now I come from such a different perspective and I, I think, you know, I want to keep my child as close as I possibly can to me, no matter what decision that they make. Um, so speaking to my future children, if this is the case, no matter what position they're in, I want them to be in a healthy space. Um, and whether that is as a member of the church or, um, not, I want, I want them to be here in the long term rather than, than giving them a space where they don't feel comfortable, <laughs> you know? So, um, I think the best way we could be allies to our children, to our friends, to our family is allowing them to choose what makes them happy and what really gives them, um, the mental capacity to, to enjoy life and to, to feel the love of family and of Christ, um, whether that is different than what we expect of them, right? We shouldn't project those expectations on them, but allow them to choose um, what they want to do and how they want to express themselves and and embrace that. Love that. Um, just going back um, to, you were talking about the previous um, episode regarding that young man. And um, I just think a lot about the whole, like, who among you can cast the first stone and how it is never our place to cast any sort of judgment and how we do just kind of need to sit with people, whether it's in their pain or in their discomfort, or um, we do just kind of need to make sure that, like, like Michaela said, that we are kind of just creating a safe place for people to stay close to us. We don't ever want um, to create a divide because we think that we're, we're doing what's good for them in the long run kind of thing. We just need to make sure that, um, yeah, just that, that it's never, it's never our place to judge because, um, yeah, everyone's different. And we just, like KK said, we get, we get to love them. This is Caroline. Yeah. I think that's one thing that we've really been able to put into practice as a family too, is that, I mean, right now there's eight of us and two of us are not in relationships and we only, there's one niece right now, but like you said, our family is going to get bigger. And we've seen a lot of examples that maybe haven't been ideal or they're not what we want. And so I think all of us have taken from my parents' example 
and chosen to be like that. That sometimes my siblings do things that I don't agree with, but that doesn't change my love for them. Um, and I think it's that principle that, like Amalia said, um, the story of casting the first stone. I don't think this just has to do with LGBTQ community members, but just our loved ones in general, that we don't have to judge their choices. We don't get to judge their choices. But like Michaela said, to keep them around, that I love my siblings, I love my parents, and I want them around. I want them involved in my life. And so that we've all chosen to keep that, to keep that relationship despite disagreements sometimes. Um, we'll probably close at this point, but I'll just see if anybody has any comments. Um, there's another podcast that you may like. It's episode 177, Travis and Margaret Stewart. He came out as gay after being a mission president in Texas. This one morning leaned over to his wife of many years and said, I'm gay. And they have a great marriage. And she talks about 16 points of intimacy and just how they make this work. Um, and you can go to Listen, Learn, and Love. There's a, a menu bar across the top of that website, Listen, Love, and Listen, Learn, and Love.org podcasts. And there's a whole bunch of podcasts with couples in mixed orientation marriages. And we'll put um, your parents' podcasts there. But not one of those couples sort of invites people to say, use our story as as the definitive way to do this. And I think you're all nodding your heads agree, but don't use our story and dismiss the authentic, the beauty of our marriage. And I, your parents' story is a love story. This is a family love story. This is what Elder Cook invited us to do in unity and diversity. And you're all living the gospel of Jesus Christ and your family, like my family, is not perfect. And I lose my temper at times, like Ben talked about his dad, I think. Um, but to me, this is sort of taking a conference talk and the principles that we learn and applying it in real life. And it is a love story. And I think if, if your family could look back 10 years and 20 years from now and, and the principles that you've learned in the family and the communication and the vulnerability and the honesty and the trust, this foundational set of things that your parents have created, and all of you, though, as I listen to you, have, I'm just looking at the benefits of your marriages and your parenting and your influence as grandparents and just what your parents have done for you um, with their story and being open and the tools it's given you. You're All of you are just wonderful. And you have a maturity and an honesty and an understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And these future kids that are coming into your families are, are lucky to have you as parents. And you won't be perfect parents. <laughs> but you have skills that are possible because of the family story you're walking. And those of you that will be local leaders and serving in ways, there'll be paydays that you'll leave a young women's meeting where a young woman reached out to you or a Relief Society sister, young man, and somehow you'll just get it. And they will just know that you're safe for them. And it's because of your family story and the things you've learned. And to me, that just makes me really happy. Um, so. Um, listeners, I don't usually plug my book, but I just want you to be aware. I wrote a book. It's called Listen, Learn, and Love, Embracing LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. It's at Desert Book. It's at Amazon. It's my very best attempt to try to bring us together by sharing lots of stories of LGBTQ people. And that's what this podcast is trying to do. So we can come together as the same human family and reduce the divisiveness that exists that I think Satan thrives in. But 
sharing a story like your family's doing and your father's doing to me reduces divisiveness and shame and brings us together. That's all I'm going to say, but I just wanted to kind of look around and see if anybody else has any, just something they'd like to share. Elizabeth, and then Tegan. Just like, I hope that what everyone got from this is just like love one another and be empathetic and embrace one another and be kind because that's literally all that this is about to me at least. So, yeah. It's great. Mm -hmm. Um, Just to go along with that. Yes, this is Tegan. Um, Yeah, the song that Ben mentioned earlier, Jesus said, love everyone. And I just hope that even for myself and everyone listening, that um, they can recognize the impact that this has and how we can create safe spaces for other people and show them love and um, how, how much of a privilege, privilege it is to be able to talk openly about this and and help one another. Um, I also, just the last tidbit, this is Michaela, sorry, um, is that when we live the gospel of Jesus Christ, we talk about repentance and how we, we need to start where we're at. Um, and so I think it's important for everybody out there who's um, reaching out to be an ally, um, just start where you're at. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to be involved in people's lives. Um, you don't have to be perfect at it at first, but, um, your, your willingness to, to start somewhere is, is good enough for now. Kind of to echo what Michaela said, this is Caroline. I think that it's okay that sometimes things are hard to accept. I think it's okay to learn this about someone and to feel a little bit hurt. I think that's okay. Um, but I think that's where the listen and learn part comes in to, like Michaela said, to ask questions, you know, everybody, everybody wants to be understood. So if there's some hurt that is caused because you didn't know, or you feel betrayed, I think to, to be open, to ask questions. I know a lot of us, as we've talked, it's, it's easy to love. We just love. Right. And I think that it's okay that that's hard sometimes. I think it's okay to have struggles with it. As long as, like Michaela said, that we're seeking to understand that we don't just shut down, that we don't just remove ourselves, um, that it's it's okay to struggle to understand. It's okay to get there in the process. It's not always as easy as sometimes we make it seem. Oldest. <laughs> this is Amalia. Um, yeah, and kind of to echo what they both said, I think that, yeah, we should just always be open to learning. Um, there's always something more to learn. Um, there's always something to be gained by listening. And um, yeah, just want to say that we really love our dad. We really love our mom. We're so proud to be in the family that we're in. Um, and we're just really excited to be here at this moment in time to be able to be here as my dad shares his story and as they move forward together and as we all move forward together. It's just, it's a really exciting time. So it's great. Great comments. You are all wonderful. So this is Richard Osler and the Barrow family signing off on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love.